We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. DFS Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL games. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me, as always, at Statsman22. Joining me, as usual, is John McKechnie, who's a busy guy and a great follow, at Johnny McKex. John, how are you doing today? Doing great, Paul. It's uh, It's been a little bit chilly up here in Madison. I think it, I looked at the weather uh, compared to Toronto. It looks like we're actually getting it a little bit worse than you guys have this week. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. Yeah, we had like a high of seven yesterday, so the wind chill was like minus 16. Ugh. Yeah, ugly times. I think I've shoveled more snow already this year than I did the entire uh, last winter uh, by comparison. It's really coming down hard. The Farmer's Almanac called for it. I didn't believe it, but I think I'm going to go buy next year's already. Yeah, I, I didn't want to believe it either, but it's it's uh, constantly reminding us that it's going to be a pretty pretty rough winter up north. I can't believe I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago, man. This is killing me. <laughs> John, well, it's Friday, and that means we get to put a bow on Rotowire's weekly series of po- position-based podcasts where we take a look at the kicker options and then come up with our best recommendations for full lineups on FanDuel as 
you and I, John, will share our top picks at each position. These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this weekend's games in the uh, Rotowire free roll. But first, let's take a look at last night's tilt, another Thursday night that really didn't live up to its billing. Uh, the Rams and the Seahawks, it was a pretty one-sided effort. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, Monday Monday comes along after after the Rams get absolutely embarrassed at home where the Falcons scored more touchdowns in one game than the, than the Rams had at home the entire season. So Jeff Fisher gets fired. But uh, even though Fisher was gone, the Rams still played with that kind of dirty, chippy mentality that, that, that uh, we've grown accustomed to seeing from them last night. I mean, we, we saw Jared Goff take kind of what I thought was a bit of a uh, Richard Sherman just making sure that he made his presence felt on, on Jared Goff, and then the Rams, you know, kind of followed in kind when when the when the Seahawks ran that fake punt to John Ryan, and that guy just absolutely buried John Ryan, uh, the punter, and and Aaron Donald had had that one face mask, and he ended up throwing the flag at the referee. I mean, it was it was your standard just undisciplined type of game from the Rams, coupled with just an ugly sort of cavemanish offense that just doesn't really work in today's NFL. So I wasn't surprised to see the, the Seahawks just sort of not even play their best game, but still win handily. Yeah, you know, bottom line is LA stinks. This is a team in a lot of turmoil. And I wonder, looking at the, that team last night, how in the heck did they win four games, particularly two division tilts against teams that have fared better than them all year long? I don't get it. But uh, there they are. Russell Wilson, for his part, had a big night. Three TDs. He was 19 for 26 in the passing game with 229 yards. And then he had 12 more on the ground with one interception, the only blemish. I called Tyler Lockett in our wide receiver breakdown earlier this week as a cheap but solid value play, and I'm going to dine out on that one for a while. He paid off big with seven grabs, 130 yards, and a TD to lead this offense for Seattle. Baldwin nice. chipped in with five and 35 and a TD. Otherwise, John, there were a lot of disappointing stat lines on both rosters. The biggest one for me that's killing me is Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. I'll get into that a little bit later when we do our, our nod to fan duel. Let's look around the league, though, for some other headlines that are grabbing our attention. First of all, I, uh, I'm sick and tired of Eli Manning and the Giants. <laughs> it looks like they have the Cowboys number this year. Kind of reminds me how they took down the Patriots in a pair of Super Bowls in the not-too-distant past. What do you think of this team? Should we all be keeping an eye on the Giants uh, down the stretch? I think that's a, that's a great little historical comp. It seems like the Giants really do seem to be the giant killers, as it will, uh, or as it is, because they are able to kind of pull off these wins against teams that, that you wouldn't expect. You know, they, they've obviously uh, been able to beat the Cowboys twice this year. I think the biggest difference for this uh, Giants team this year is they open their, their checkbooks in the offseason. They're like, okay, we need to go out and get some defense. And they, they did. And a lot of the times, as we see with the Redskins, or used to see with the Redskins, winning the offseason doesn't really translate to winning on the field, but it really has for the Giants this year. So I think that defense is going gonna, is gonna to play in January, and I think it's going to be something that, that keeps them in games uh, through the rest of the way. And then, you know, you got a steely veteran like Manning who, who plays so well in the postseason when the chips are down. And then you got, you know, Odell Beckham, arguably the most dangerous receiver in the league. So you got to like their chances moving forward. They're just a, a very balanced team on both sides of the ball. And John, there's a playoff focus to the, a couple of these questions, so we'll keep going in that direction. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the calendar has turned to December, and they've turned up the heat in the NFC Central. They're not in first place right now, but they could make things tough uh, and be a tough out should they make the playoffs. What do you, how do you think things shake down in the NFC Central in the next few weeks, and are you expecting big things from the Packers? Like I yeah, the, Pack 
The Packers are always a, a tough out, and you know, even with the the sheer attrition that they've had on, on the defensive side of the ball, and Aaron Rodgers uh, being a little bit hobbled, it seems like he, whenever he does get hobbled late in the season, it, it translates to a deep playoff run. You remember a few years ago he had that calf injury where he could barely move around, but he still led the Packers almost to an NFC Championship uh, title. Uh, so th- this past week against the Seahawks, he, he hurt his calf on the third play of the game on a long touchdown to Devontae Adams, finished the game with, with three touchdowns. Uh, McCarthy pulled him towards the end to put in Hundley to kind of uh, rest him a little bit. But, I mean, the, as long as Aaron Rodgers is under center and at least uh, able to move, I, I, I don't see where uh, the Packers are an easy out by any stretch. And then you got to – and I'll allude to this a little bit later, but the Lions – as good as as good of a story as they've been this year, they are still the Lions, and I'm not sure that you know. I, I know that the old saying is a leopard can't change its spots, but you know, with the Lions, they're they're kind of known for these late season meltdowns. So we're gonna have to see if if the Lions' momentum holds up uh, through the through Week 17. Yeah, and the Packers don't forget they have the advantage of knowing what it's like to play in bad weather because half their games are at Lambeau and and uh, right. half of those games are usually played in uh, around major snowfalls. So uh, the bad weather doesn't hamper these guys, and uh, he's put up, uh, Aaron Rodgers, for his part, has put up big numbers regardless of what the weatherman says. So uh, don't fear picking him. I know I will be in several leagues this weekend. Uh, there's a bit of a sensitive issue that's come out of the, the pa- Patriots claiming Michael Floyd after the cards released him following his recent DUI and his uh, resisting of arrest. I know we don't want to dance around too much on, the, on that side of the equation. I'd rather talk about the impact on the football field and how you feel about uh, this situation for the New England Patriots. The, this situation kind of it, it makes sense to me in a couple different ways, oddly enough. Uh, Michael Floyd kind of seemed to be on the outs in Arizona, so I think Arizona was ready to cut bait with him. Uh, after his next slip up and obviously he had a very unfortunate one and I think it's it's also pretty uh, standard operating procedure of the Patriots to kind of take a chance on some of these guys because you know that they're, they're so well renowned for, for being able to reel in guys and kind of rein them in if they're if they're having some off-field issues they kind of you know get them get them into the building and have Belichick just kind of calm them down so, I mean, Floyd is still a talented guy, and you think about it, I mean, he's a, he's a big receiver at 6'3", with uh, excellent speed for a guy his size. So, I mean, he's got the, the sort of tools and in, in the, in the traits that you look for in a receiver, and we've seen him uh, play extremely well in the past. And with the sort of banged-up nature of, the, of that Patriots receiving core, I mean, you got Edelman and a pretty unproven Malcolm Mitchell on the outside right now. No Amendola, no Gronk. So I think that it, it it's, could be just another classic shrewd Patriots move here. Yeah, I think they're one of few, a few teams that could only, could go this route, and they're, yet they're being chastised in the media for, for taking the shot. I think good for them for, for looking at this option and seeing how it could play into their lineup. And let's not uh, crucify a guy until he's proven guilty, you know. I just right. think that he should be given his day in court, and let's leave that alone. But uh, let's see what happens uh, on the field of play, and it could be another shrewd move by the Pats. And finally, John, you know, we're getting to the serious shooting this week, and I'm always curious to know what games will be grabbing your attention apart from your, your Ravens. Uh, I know I have a couple in mind, so let me hear what you're, you'll be tuning into. I will be in attendance for, for that Ravens game, actually. I'm looking forward to, to getting back down to Maryland and, and going to that game. Uh, but I think the game that you, your team is playing in is potentially the most interesting one of the weekend. 
Oh, with nice. The, nice. With the, the Cowboys and Bucks. But I, I guess aside from that, the the, uh, the Titans and the and the Chiefs is kind of intriguing. The Titans are just a, a very interesting team to me uh, with the way that Mariota has taken such a huge step in his second year. But he gets a really big road test this week in Kansas City. He's going to be playing in far and away the coldest game he's ever played. I think it might be zero degrees at kickoff in Kansas City at Arrowhead, which is a very tough place to play in December. So very interested to see how, how he responds to that and if he's able to uh, have success against what is already a very tough sec- secondary with those adverse weather conditions tossed in. Yeah, for my part, I'll be watching the surging Giants against the aforementioned Lions. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if the Giants can continue to make... Uh, Life miserable for the Cowboys in this uh, race to the division title, which used, uh, which I thought was in the bag. So that'll be one. But I'll also be uh, watching the perennial matchup, it seems, of the Pats at the Broncos. And it's interesting for me to note that Trevor Simeon has put up a couple of 300-yard-plus days in recent weeks. So he might be up to the challenge of the Pats, who don't boast uh, the best secondary in all of football. And so this game might be a little closer than most people think. And uh, weather may obviously play a factor out there. So that'll be worth a look today as well, uh, on Sunday as well. In any case, uh, I said in the opening we're going to finish our weekly show cycle with a look at the best kicker plays on the board. John, there's three guys over the 5,000 mark in Tucker, Bryant, and Bailey. Are you leaning on any of those three? Uh, I think, you know, if you have the extra extra cash to, to go ahead and get these guys, and the way that, as, as you'll see, the, the sort of uh, pricing bell curve for kickers shapes up, you really are going to have to pay 48 Hundred or more. So really, the difference between a kind of bottom of what you want to be picking at uh, forty-eight hundred and the and the top fifty-two hundred. I mean, that's a tiny four hundred dollar difference. So I think there there could be a lot of situations where where people go go up and get a guy like Tucker, or Brian, or Bailey. Um, Tucker, I think the the weather should be. It might be a little bit messy in Baltimore, but I, I'm not worried about him kicking in Baltimore. He seems completely fine with that. Uh, I would, I'd be a little bit concerned about Matt Bryant, if only because I think the Falcons might just only score touchdowns against against the 49ers. So unless they, you know, unless they score seven or eight touchdowns, you know, uh, we might we might see Matt Bryant, you know, checking in with the 5100 price tag, only giving you seven seven points. So I'd, I'd be a little bit worried about that one. Yeah, I love the Tucker call. If you can fit the money in, Philadelphia team that's not going anywhere. Uh, they're going to be on the long end of a bad score, I'm afraid, this weekend. I also like the uh, Bailey call. I think the Cowboys' offense breaks out again uh, against Tampa, but I don't know that we can count on them reaching the end zone with any of their drives. I just think they're going to be uh, up there around the 25-point range in this game, and that should be enough points for Bo- uh, Bailey to put up a nice score for that money. We drop down to the 46 to 4,900 uh, range. John, any, any value over there for you? Uh, I think you have to like Janikowski checking in at 4,900, going down to San Diego. He's one of the few guys in this tier that that have, uh, you know, favorable weather conditions on his side. And Janikowski's always a pretty much automatic guy, and he gives you the long field goal upside there. Uh, you got Goskowski kicking in Denver. Obviously, Goskowski has no issues kicking in, in uh, adverse weather conditions. Plus, Denver, the mile high, the altitude, kind of... Uh, pushes back his range a little bit, so you could see some long field goals coming from him as well. A guy like Will Lutz at 4,800 against Arizona, that's going to be a very high-scoring game, so that he's not a bad play there. Adam Vinatieri, 4,800 going to Minnesota, so even though that you know they're playing in December in Minnesota, it's in a dome stadium as opposed to uh, how it's been up in Minnesota the past few years, so I think 
kicking in a dome. Vinatieri is just an absolute automatic. Uh, guys that I would be a little bit worried about, Cairo Santos, 4,800, uh, going to or playing against uh, Tennessee in Kansas City, where where it is supposed to be zero degrees at kickoff, and Matt Prater at 4,800 against the Giants. I just I feel oogie about picking any kicker playing in the Meadowlands at this time of year. Yeah, I love each of those calls. I'll add one more in Catanzaro, $4,800 against New Orleans. I think New Orleans' de- defense is so suspect that they get themselves involved in lots of shootouts. This could be another deal like that, and that means scoring plays for Catanzaro and company, and so that might not be a bad play either. We dropped down to the $4,500 uh, base, and I wonder, John, if you have anybody in that grouping that you might keep an eye on or maybe include in one of your, your leagues. I know, I know Cody Parkey is, is uh, down in that range, Paul, but uh, would you give us your, your 4,500 picks? My, my FanDuel page isn't quite loading at the, at the moment. All right, there's Roberto Aguayo against the Cowboys. I, th- I think that's not a bad play, actually, because I think the Cowboys' defense is not the most sturdy in the league, and there's going to be scoring points against them. Uh, Nugent is listed against Cincinnati. I don't know about his status there. I think he got cut. Exactly, so that's probably not a good call. Phil Dawson. For San Francisco against Atlanta, Atlanta is a defense that you can move the ball on, but San Francisco is not the best offense in the world, I don't think. Parkey's in against Buffalo for Cleveland, and uh, that could be an ugly weather game. I'd stay away from that one, John. I don't know how you feel about that. Great. And then uh, we got Caleb Sturgis for Philadelphia, a team that has no offense to speak of, and if they get the ball over center field, they might just let this guy kick away because they won't get too many chances against Baltimore, I don't think. True. So, Ryan Suckup, uh, Tennessee against Kansas City. Tennessee, his offense can move the ball a little bit, but you wonder how they're going to fare against Kansas City. So that might be an interesting one. I, I don't know. And I just then, don't like the weather conditions in that one. Yeah, and then finally, Robbie Gould uh, for Detroit against the Giants. I wouldn't touch that one at all. And Kai Forbath, Minnesota against Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis against Minnesota. That might be an interesting one, too, just because Indy will move the ball, but you wonder about Minnesota's stout defense shortening some of their drives. So that might be the best value play at the bottom of the list for me. Fair enough. So I, I think for my, my kicker play this week, I, I, will, I will lean the, the Vinatieri route uh, because I think he's about as reliable as it gets. I know that Indianapolis will be able to, to get the ball uh, into field goal range against Minnesota, but I think that Minnesota's defense is stout enough to where uh, some drives are going to stall out here. So Vinatieri being able to kick in a dome. Where, where he's about as automatic as any kicker is, is you're going to get, you know, and you're, you're paying 4800 for him, so not exactly super cheap, but, you know, you're, you're not breaking the bank 5200 uh, the way you would for, for a Tucker or 5100 for Matt Bryant. So I think Vinatieri is the best uh, mix of, of price point and upside here. Yeah, I tried to go near the top of the board here when I found out I had some money left over, so I went for my guy Bailey. I think he's going to get some scoring opportunities in a game where the Cowboys may move the ball, but not all the way to the end zone, but they will get their share of scoring drives, so I feel confident about that pick too, John. Uh, let's take a, a moment to remind our listeners about FanDuel, John. We're fantasy football fans. You have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. No busted seasons at all. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience where you get even more contest variety. You can try beginner contests for new players only, settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal, try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash, Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for as little as a buck. Uh, there's choices for every budget, John. And uh, 
you know, I make the playoffs, and I'm looking forward to this round because it's a rivalry game for me against one of our pals at, at Roto-Wire, and that's uh, Andre Snellings. I look at last night's game thinking Jimmy Graham should go off against a bad team. He comes out of the game with one catch, John. I'm really ticked off. This guy's up and down like a toilet seat in the recent weeks. He's a high-end, <laughs> tight-end play. But that's why we play uh, FanDuel every week. It, you never know what you're going to get. And uh, I, I wonder how you feel about that. Do you give up on a guy when he's let you down so badly, John? It, it really depends on, on, you know, kind of track record. For instance, I think a lot of people got burned last weekend in the first round of their playoffs with, with guys uh, like Drew Brees or Mike Evans. Or last night, you know, kicking us off for, for week 15, uh, Jimmy Graham, like you said, and, and Thomas Rawls, who for the first time in his career played, played more than two-thirds of the snaps in a game. And he ended up with, what, like 34 yards? It was just it was so, so frustrating to, to see Seattle possess the ball for so long and yet Rawls do absolutely nothing. So a guy like Rawls, where he hasn't really shown a whole lot uh, since kind of returning to the team and they cut Christine Michael and he's supposedly healthy, uh, he, he's a guy that I wouldn't mind cutting bait on, uh, but a guy like Mike Evans, you got to figure he's he's due for a bounce back, or or, or your guy Des Bryant. I mean, those guys are just so talented. It, you kind of are able to forgive them for a one-week mess up. All right, doctor. Thanks for bringing me in off the ledge, man. I, I have to think about this. Well, we're still engaged by the FanDuel format because it offers a clean slate every week, John, and that's fun and entertaining for all of us. We invite our listeners to have fun with all that fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, John, it's time for the rest of our FanDuel lineups. I will also include a weather note uh, that you got to watch out for the cold weather stadiums in this week. So keep an eye on the weather uh, forecast if, if that should impact. I know you're talking about not expecting great weather when you go to the game yourself, but there's probably a, a few others that we got to be wary of. In any case, exactly. let me hear your quarterback pick and your explanation, pal. All right, so I'm actually pretty excited about this lineup I threw together this week. So inevitably, I'm sure these guys will all miss out. But no, I've, I do feel I do, uh, went with a kind of interesting strategy here. Valued quarterback, uh, really loading up on my running backs and kind of mixing it up with my receivers. Uh, but I'm going to start us off here with Carson Palmer checking in at 7,600 against New Orleans. Uh, I think all of the Cardinals are coming off kind of a head-scratchingly bad game down in Miami a week ago. I think. The, the weather definitely played a factor there. It was so sloppy. I'm sure you've seen the clip of Ryan Tanhill trying to throw the ball and it gets away from him. And <laughs> you can almost hear like the carnival music in the background as you watch that. Uh, but I think a, a meeting at home against the Saints it will cure what ails them. Uh, the Saints have allowed 19 touchdowns through the air, which, you know, through, through this many games in the season isn't terrible, but it's not necessarily, you know, a lockdown defense by any means either. And I think the most important thing to note here is for Palmer, uh, when he's at home, he's just markedly better. He's got an 11 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio at home. That number is, is nine touchdowns and 10 picks when he's on the road. So much more comfortable out in the desert. I think he's due for a bounce back. And at 7,600, you're saving a decent bit of coin at the, at the quarterback position. John, I love that call uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. It smells like a huge mismatch, and I think Carson Ball Palmer could go off at that low price. You're going you're gonna to hit it big on that one, I think. But I think so I, I'm equally comfortable with my pick of Aaron Rodgers. Like I teased in the opening, 
uh, or earlier rather. He's in Chicago, could be a bad weather game. He's priced at $8,500, but it's worth noting that since Eddie Lacy went down, what Rodgers has accomplished has been nothing short of amazing to me. He's willed his team back into the playoff hunt, routinely piling, piling up over 300 yards passing, even running, uh, uh, leading the running game more often than not, and uh, he's emerged as the most productive player in fantasy football this season. I expect more of the same this weekend in a game the Packers need to have against a team that has been decent against the pass, but is 3-10 and 10 on the year and maybe taking their foot off the gas pedal in winding down a bad season. So I'm taking advantage of the mismatch between one team that's going up and another team that's going out. Smart. John, your running backs of choice. I know you said you spent big money. I want to hear why. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going with the top two guys on the board. I'm going with David Johnson at 9,800 and Le'Veon Bell at 9,400. Uh, I, I don't think either of these guys need, need a whole lot of convincing to the listeners. I think, you know, David Johnson, I think the only argument against him this week is the price at 9,800. So even coming off of a sort of off week by his standards, his price went up by $100. But at the same time, it's David Johnson at home against the Saints. He's going to be, he's one of these guys that, as Jake Letarski likes to say, is, is game flow proof. Whether, whether the Cardinals have a huge lead and he's running the ball or they're, or they're playing catch up, he's going to be catching the ball a lot, especially now Michael Floyd's out of the picture completely. I think John Brown, JJ Nelson both banged up. So Johnson's going to see a ton of targets in addition to plenty, to pretty much all the work out of the backfield in general. So going against the Saints, I, I like that a lot. I think he's worth the price. And then Le'Veon Bell, I mean, what, what else can you say? He, he sees literally every single touch out of the Steelers' backfield. He had the fantasy game of the year last week against the Bills. And I think, he, you know, going, going against a divisional opponent like the Bengals where, where there could be uh, some weather as well, I think the Steelers are going to kind of try to keep it on the ground a little bit here. And I, I don't think that the, that Bengals' defense is nearly as vaunted as it was, say, a year or two ago. So I think both of these guys, if you, if you find a way to plug them both in like I did, uh, I think you're, you're, it's going to pay off for you. Oh, man, $19,200 tied up in your running backs. You spent, well, a little bit less on the quarterback. I'm really anxious to see how you fill out the rest of the roster, man. I, it gets weird, but I like it. I, I went a little bit lower, obviously, in my running back picks. Uh, in the 6,000 to 7,000 range, I found value, I think, in Latavius Murray of the Oakland Raiders at San Diego for 6,800. Murray's getting right around 20 rushing attempts and factoring him with a few rep- receptions as the most prolific weapon in the Raiders' uh, high-octane offense, particularly in recent weeks with four TDs in his last three games. This week, he draws a reeling Chargers club that has lost its last two games and to fall out of the playoff hunt and will be out, well, without their top offensive weapon in Melvin Gordon. I think this is a mental step backwards for this club. They not, might not provide much resistance in conceding to a lost season. Uh, and it might start with this matchup. Murray and the Raiders have much more on the line in this game, and they will be expected to act accordingly, and I think he will. Uh, I'll pair him with Jeremy Hill of Cincinnati in a huge game, maybe the most, uh, most uh, with money on the line in this one than any other uh, on the board, I think. Uh, in terms of where it could go for, from here. $6,600 is the price tag. I go with him because he stepped up to accept the opportunity presented to him with Joe Bernard's injury. He's topped the 20-carry mark and evolved into a key factor in the Bengals' passing game as well. As weather could be a factor in this key division battle, he should be expecting a heavy workload once again. And I like his chances of getting into the end zone for a third week in a row. That projects to be a nice FanDuel points total for him at this price tag. John, your wide receivers. All right, I'm going to start off with a pair of Oakland Raiders receivers, both of them 
are listed as questionable, but both are expected to play. I'm going to go with Amari Cooper checking in at 7,400 against San Diego, and I'm going to pair him with Michael Crabtree at 6,000. I don't think that the, that there's really a $1,400 difference between either of these guys. I think both of these guys are locks to see the, the vast majority of the targets from Derek Carr. You look at Michael Crabtree especially at 6,000. He's averaging well over 10 targets in his last seven games. I mean, that's not insignificant. He's seeing uh, a lot of balls coming his way for, from uh, Derek Carr. And I think Der- it's important to note that Derek Carr, I know that he didn't play particularly well against the Chiefs the other week. But that was, you know, that's dating back to last Thursday now. So his fingers had more and more time to heal. Uh, I imagine he's been getting round-the-clock treatment on his pinky, trying to get it back to 100%. And he's not going to have to be playing in cold weather whatsoever. He's going to be playing down in San Diego. So I, I really think that this is a this is a scenario where where Carr bounces back and is able to pick on the Chargers secondary. And I think both Cooper and Crabtree could be due for double-digit targets. And, you know, that's the name of the game when you're picking your receivers. You want a lot of opportunity. And I think that they're both going to see it. I think both of those guys bounce back. I know Cooper only caught five of his ten targets last time out. That catch rate definitely has to come up and, and progress back to, to the mean of what, we're, what we expect out of a guy like Cooper. And then uh, to, to kind of help this all fit together is kind of my strangest pick of the day. It's Aldrick Robinson of Atlanta checking in at the minimum price for a receiver, 4500 Atlanta's just really, really banged up right now. We, we got a guy like Mohamed Sanu dealing with a groin. Julio Jones, who's reportedly going to try to push off his toe uh, in Friday's practice, so that doesn't sound particularly encouraging for his status. And with with the Falcons playing so well, I don't think that they necessarily need either of these guys in order to take care of the 49ers at home, uh, in which case I think Aldrick Robinson and Hardy uh, and Gabriel all see a, a major uptick in targets, but Aldrick Robinson is the cheapest of the bunch, obviously. Uh, he got six targets a week ago. If he can get six targets again, uh, I imagine he'll, he'll catch at least four of those, and then I think we're talking about uh, you know hitting value for for a guy that you're paying minimum price tag for. John, if you hit value there, I'm going to look for you in the top ten easily in our Rotowire free roll. I think that's feeling it. Key to your your lineup, and if uh, you made a good case for it, I'm going to counter uh, on Wednesday when we did the wide receiver Wednesday with James Seltzer. He and I agree that Jordy Nelson was the screaming hot value on the board at 7700 bucks. That was good enough for me to tell you today there may not be a hotter pass-catching combo right now than Nelson and Rogers, who've been able to combine for seven TD pass plays in the last seven weeks. And with the success of his opposite number, Devontae Adams, opponents can't even double cover Nelson in this matchup. So I believe Nelson will find openings, get his usual high dosage of targets, and pay off for his owners here against the Bears. Then, next up, I go with uh, another screaming mismatch for me, Larry Fitzgerald of Arizona versus New Orleans and that horrible pass defense at 7200 bucks. This is a great matchup for Fitzgerald, the, target in the, the main target in the Cards passing game against one of the worst secondaries in all of the NFL. I'll gladly sign up for 10 or so targets here with the veteran wideout who will be motivated to bounce back from his worst output of the season last week. And then finally, I'm going to go uh, on the opposite side of the ball of the two receivers you highlighted. I'm going to pick Terrell Williams of uh, San Diego Chargers at 6500 bucks. They will likely lean a bit on their passing game with top rusher Gordon sideline, and that should translate into a spike in Williams' targets. He's been the top wideout in San Diego all season long. He gets the favor of a matchup against the 27th-ranked Raiders' pass defense. Quarterback Rivers will be primed to take some shots here, and Williams should pay off big, in my opinion. You're wide, you're tight end, John. 
I'm going to go with Philadelphia's Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, going against my, my home cooking a little bit here, but uh, we got we got to take a look at, at, the, at the numbers here. I mean, Zach Ertz has seen 45 targets in his last four games. For a tight end, that's, that's just unbelievable volume. So he's really coming on as, as Carson Wentz's favorite target. And he's a guy that obviously has a size advantage in this matchup because you imagine that, that Baltimore is going to be sticking either Zach Orr or Lardarius Webb. Zach Orr is a middle linebacker, or Webb is uh, a converted cornerback, now a safety, so he's a little bit on the smaller side. Orr is actually pr- relatively short as far as a linebacker is concerned. And Tom Brady, I know he's Tom Brady, but he really kind of picked on Orr in coverage a week ago. So I think uh, Philadelphia could definitely you know, try to try to pick on that matchup again. And, and Ertz, I think, is going to see the requisite volume that you'll need uh, for him to hit value here. And I understand that Philadelphia might also try to attack the outside a little bit. That's why I kind of like uh, Jordan Matthews a little bit this week, especially if Jimmy Smith is out and he gets to go against a guy like Tavon Young, who's probably about six inches shorter than Jordan Matthews. So that'll be something to watch out for. There could be some value in the Philadelphia passing game this week, but my favorite of the bunch that you'd have to pay up for is definitely Zach Ertz. Wow, you're on the Philly receivers. I mean, even James Seltzer, he's, he's been slagging them in recent weeks. He's a big, diehard Eagles fan. For me, I'm, I'm uh, swallowing his Kool-Aid and telling you that Ertz probably could be triple covered here and they wouldn't suffer on the wide-out coverage because he's such a quality guy compared to the other guys. Right. So if he comes up big, it'll be all on him, I think. Uh, I think I'll, so too. I'll counter with uh, my pick of Travis Kelsey of the, the Chiefs against Tennessee at 6900 bucks. I go to the top end of the FanDuel board, because I can afford to, I guess, and grab the second most expensive tight end, who's also the hottest of all of them, with four straight 100-yard-plus games in the past month. He also has the most catches and is second in targets among all tight ends all season long. So that consistency among the most targeted of all chief receivers gets me interested. And he's going to get his touches again. He's not going to be up and down like the aforementioned Graham, who I can't get out of my head this week, it just seems. Uh, <laughs> so and, sorry. And he's more consistent uh, than, than most. So you can count on him getting the reps and, and the, the throws coming his way. And throw in the fact that he's facing the 31st-ranked Titans defense, yet another team that is playing out the string. And I say he makes it five in a row over the century mark in the passing yardage game. John, your defensive choice. Before I, before I get into my defense, I just want to say I just like having Travis Kelsey in my lineup. I like rooting for that guy. He's just so fun to watch. He's always just kind of having – you can tell he's just having a good time out there. So I definitely appreciate that, always rooting for Kelsey uh, for whenever I get him into my lineups or even when John, I don't. you're always on Kelsey because you're alt- he's your alter ego, the ultimate bachelor, just like you, man. <laughs> Yeah, I aspire to be as cool as Travis Kelsey, no, no question. But um, as far as my defense is concerned this week, I'm going to go with the Giants at 4,600. Kind of like what I alluded to earlier in the show about the Lions. I think that the Lions, they just kind of tend to show themselves late in the season. That This could be, I mean, and everyone has been saying this isn't, you know, the same old Lions team because that offense has been so much better. But we're a week removed from Stafford suffering a pretty badly dislocated middle finger on his throwing hand. And apparently he was really kind of uh, fidgeting with it during practice this week. I don't think he's going to be particularly comfortable. Then you throw in the fact that it's going to be really, really windy in the Meadowlands as it always, always is this time of year. It's going to be cold. I, I think that we could see a situation where Stafford kind of regresses a little bit and throws a couple interceptions. And also, I don't think Theo Riddick is going to play, so they're going to have to lean on on the young uh, Dwayne Washington 
and and Zach Zenner to run the ball. Maybe maybe those guys might might have some ball security issues. And the Giants' defense, like I said, it has really improved this year. I really like what they have on that side of the ball. Guys like Janoris Jenkins and then Landon Collins really coming on strong in his second year. He's been about as opportunistic of a safety as you've seen in the league this year. So I think that we could see uh, or we could see. Uh, the Giants reap the benefits of some turnovers here, and, and they're close to close to uh, you know kind of mid price as far as your defenses are concerned. So 4,600 for a t- for a defense that I don't think is going to be particularly highly owned in either cash or tournaments. I think is definitely worth a look. John, you're making me nervous with all this talk about the Giants and their defense, man. I can't handle any more of that. And, and Graham too. This is I was I was having fun at the beginning of this episode. Now I'm now I'm a little more concerned. I'm going to look for my defense to come out of the game that you're watching. I'm picking Baltimore. This is a, another hot value for me. Uh, at 4700 bucks. the Eagles, for their part, are rapidly running out of competitive or compelling options at their skill positions. And the Ravens' defense has ramped up its game over recent re- weeks to rank among the stingiest units in the league once again. They've played their best ball in, in the last few weeks, John, and you know it better than most. They are also among the best teams in the takeaway department, and that will make Carson Wentz's life miserable this weekend, I do believe. Now, I John, think so too. we've talked about the NFL, but you and Mario Puig have done a fabulous job hosting the DFS pod uh, on the college, bowl, bowls, uh, college football side. I'm getting ahead of myself because I want to know what you're going to be doing in terms of dealing with the college uh, football bowl games in the next week or two. Okay, so Mario and I went ahead and recorded the, the Mega Bull Mania uh, a podcast on Wednesday, and it, it's over an hour and a half long, so uh, definitely block out some time in your schedule or you know break it up into 45-minute increments because we spend about as much time on the New Mexico versus UTSA game at, at, that, that opens up the bowl season on Saturday as we do you know talking about uh, the, what, what's going to happen in the college football playoff. We, we, we go in-depth on every single bowl game, even the Army versus North Texas one. The only one that we kind of glossed over was Maryland versus Boston College because nobody needs to watch that. But we do we, we go through all 41 bowl games, uh, given our spread picks, look at, given out uh, players to look out for. That's going to be our last one of the regular kind of college football season. We're going to get another one cooking uh, once the combine uh, season approaches. We're going we're gonna to do a pre-combine and probably a post-combine one, kind of talking about guys to look, look for uh, during the combine and guys that really impressed thereafter. So right now, that bowl mania one is going to have to suffice for, for the next month and, month and a half, two months or so, but uh, it's a doozy. Uh, I think everyone should, should give it a listen, and uh, definitely before they have to put in their, their bowl uh, spread picks uh, by Saturday morning. Awesome. That's great. I'm visiting with a buddy later tonight, and uh, this is his extravaganza, so i got to get a thumbnail from you a little bit later on. <laughs> Absolutely. In any case, I'm going to counter with plays of the day now, John. Let's, let's talk about plays of the day on our board. Who do you like on your team to lead your squad this week? This uh, this one isn't particularly rocket science. I think just David Johnson going against the Saints. I think just the the sheer volume of touches that he gets, both as a running back and as a receiver, plus just the fact that I, I have a hard time believing anyone on the Saints can, can really tackle him one on one. I just think that he's he's due for a massive game. I know his his price certainly reflects it, but I think uh, if you if you're able to do it, even if you kind of you know 
format your lineup a little bit different than mine. I think you still need to find a way to carve out the, the price of 9800 to get uh, David Johnson in there. John, what I've, one of the things I've learned playing FanDuel in football this year is you've got to find a good pass-catching combination and a good matchup. I think I do this week, and it's going to lead my squad to good things, I think. Aaron Rodgers and, and Nelson, Jordy Nelson, the duo could really go off against the Bears in a game that is much more important for the Packers, regardless of the weather forecast, as I said. These guys have excelled in a lot of bad weather situations in the past, and I think they're going to do it again here. So, I think so, too. Uh, that's, uh, that's all we got for this week, uh, John. So there you have it for John McKechnie, who you can follow at Johnny McKex. I'm Paul Bruno, reminding you to follow me at Statsman22. We wish you good luck with your FanDuel picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis to get an edge on the competition. So long, everybody. story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done